0: Your friendly neighborhood pastor, Joe Y. Rostick, we're so glad that you're here. I want to tell you that I felt the spirit of God in our worship time at the end of first service. That's why we started second service so powerfully. So I ask that you would not take moments like that lightly, but you would come ready whenever you come to this church, believing God for his presence to move. We're in a sermon series where we're learning about God's worldview for our world, and a worldview is, if you're new here, is how you see the world. I wear glasses and it's how I see the world. Y'all look blurry right now. I can't really make any of you out. And if I put on my glasses, I can start to see better again. Well, the Bible says that without Christ you're blind, but with Christ you can see. The Bible says without Christ you're dead in your sin. That's all you see is really sin, but then you become alive to righteousness. The way I like to say it is you become cross-eyed. You see Jesus everywhere you go. Well, as we're going through this sermon series, we're tackling different subjects that are somewhat taboo and controversial, things that most churches might be afraid to talk about, but not here. Somebody say, not cheer. Right here. We, now we're talking about this. So what we're going to talk about is God's judgment. And as I said in my prayer, I don't want true Christians to be afraid. But if you're not right in your relationship with God, I truly want it to scare the hell out of you. Now, let me say this in a way that makes sense. A lot of the world uses words in the Bible, and they abuse them, and so they say, go to hell, and they say, damn it, and all of those things. Here in this church, we don't swear, but we use those words the right way. Are you listening to me? God is going to damn homosexuals. God is going to damn perverts. God is going to damn the violent, the corrupt. God is going to damn it along with their sin, uh, their sin along with them. You say, Pastor, you don't like homosexuals and perverts? No, man, I I love them. Jesus loves them. I used to be a pervert myself. But here's the thing. God's going to damn sin. So we love the sin or hate the sin, but the both will go to hell. And when I say that, listen, that God is wanting you to get the hell scared out of you, I'm not saying that to be cute, though it can make you laugh. I understand that. But I'm being serious with you. Some of y'all got hell on the inside of you. You have a taste of hell. You are feeling what it feels like to live for the devil. That's what drives many people to suicide. They think they're getting away from the hell that they have within them, but they're actually going to where it's all at. So don't be deceived today. There's a real hell. There is a real judgment. God is going to judge more than just homosexual perverts and liars and and thieves. God's also going to judge false religions. God's going to judge idolaters. These are the things that caused Oprah Winfrey to turn her back on Christianity. You can look it up. She said, I didn't like the God of the Bible because he was a jealous God, a petty God. He was going to judge everybody on his own way. God should be more open than that. Listen, we don't run from this message. We embrace this message. We don't do it to be angry or mean to you. We do it because it's the message of God for all of us, including me. And guess what? False preachers are going to go to hell too. All these ones you don't like, Bible says if they don't repent before they get right, uh, before the judgment comes, they're going to suffer. All those who commit abortion will be judged as murderers. I could be here all day, but i got to get to the message. So here's the deal. Don't get offended at me. Check the scripture. Check the scripture and see if I'm giving you biblical worldview, biblical ways to see the scripture, uh, see the world around you through the Bible. Can I hear an amen? I ain't going to talk a lot, but I'll talk a lot about the scripture today, honestly, so go to Second Thessalonians chapter 1, and you just tell me, I know I'm pretty smart, I've been to cemetery, I mean seminary, but you tell me how I'm supposed to interpret these words, okay, if I got it wrong. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3 says, we always thank God for you, brothers and sisters, rightly so, because your faith is growing more and more. How many have growing faith today? Amen. Your faith is growing more and more, and the love that you all have for one another is increasing. How many have increasing love for God and for your fellow man? Amen. You're in the right place. If you don't, we'll teach you how. Look at verse 4. Therefore, among God's churches, we boast about your perseverance and faith in all persecutions and trials you are enduring. The church that they're writing to it was called the Church of Thessaloniki. Everybody say Thessaloniki. My family, my mother-in-law and father-in-law are from this Greek city, Thessaloniki. The English way is Thessalonica, but they say Thessaloniki. That's the Greek way of saying it. Paul is the one writing this, and he's saying, I'm so proud of you guys that you're not quitting on Jesus even though they're persecuting you and that you're facing many trials. Now watch what he says next. He says all this is evidence that God's judgment is right. Somebody say God's judgment? is right. So I'm gonna go through these issues again, and you tell me if I'm judging you or if I'm telling God's judgment. Because a lot of times people are like, man, don't judge me, bro. Only God can judge you. Well, that's only God can judge me. Well, that's to scare you. Because God's judgment is final. You should be happy. I'm telling you what God is saying. Now, the scripture that says, judge not lest ye be judged, for the same measure you judge others by, you yourself will be judged by. is not a scripture against judgment. It's a scripture against false judgment, not right judgment. Because Jesus else where said make righteous judgment. So when he was saying judge not, lest you be judged for the same measure or the same standards you judge others by, you will be judged by what he means is if you start making up your own judgments and putting it on people, then I'm going to do you wrong on judgment day. You're not going to be happy on how it ends. But let me ask you a question. If I say that homosexuals and perverts, those who have sex outside of marriage, sex with themselves, multiple partners, adulterers, all of these that do this, if I say they shall not inherit the kingdom of God, is that my judgment or God's judgment? That's God's judgment. Now, is it right or is it wrong? Come on. Is God's judgment right or is it wrong? Amen. It's tight, but it's right. You could say, oh, me, oh, my, or say Amen. Let me just prove it to you. Go to Galatians chapter 5, verse 21. Karaoke screen will help you if you don't got your Bible on your phone yet. Or you don't bring your real Bible, you know, your paper Bible. Look at what it says. It says, the acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery. That's perversion. That's literally what it is. Idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, uh, discord, jealousy, fits of rage. See, this is stuff right here that some of y'all may be doing even now. Selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies. They were crazy back then there too. And it says, and the like. Now look at what he says. This is Paul talking, and we believe Paul is listening to what God is saying. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit what? What shall you not inherit? The kingdom of God. So is God's judgment right or is it wrong? So if I tell you God's judgment, am I right or am I wrong? Now guess what? Can they do me wrong, though? Absolutely. Go back to the scriptures. He says, man, I'm so proud of you guys. I boast about you everywhere. But what's going on? You are enduring trials and persecution. Do you know if you said what the world said they would love you? I've wrote 20 books. I've never been asked to be on Oprah. You know why? Because she don't love what I say. Jesus said, they would love you if you say what they say, but they hate you because you say what I say. The dividing line now between love and hate is becoming really clear. Whose side are you on? Are you going to say what God says? Or are you going to say what the world says? Now, people may say, man, are you mad at sinners? Listen, how many times do I got to tell you I'm not mad at sinners? I was one. So I'm not pointing any fingers at them that I have not pointed at myself. I had sex so many times before I was an adult, uh, a teenage, uh, I, was, I was having sex so many times between 15 and 18 that I caught two things. I don't even want to talk about it here because it gets weird when I start talking about what I caught. What do you want me to say? I was arrested eight times. But if God told me it's a sin and I had to repent, you better repent too. That's what he said. Somebody say that's what he said. So now watch, if you're being persecuted because you're talking about God's judgment That's evidence you're doing what's right. Did you all catch that? So if they're getting along with you, chances are you're not doing what's right. Now, I'm not saying be mean. I have a lot of people that disagree with me, but they know that I love them. Take, for example, I live in a neighborhood where we have Hindus all over the place, a lot of Indian people there. Man, they know I love them. Matter of fact, they take their naan bread and they dry it out in front of their house on these, like, quilts. They make it, you know, fresh, almost like tortillas, you know, and they just set it right out there in the summer, let it dry out and everything. Man, I love eating those things. I ask them for permission, though, but I'm just saying I love eating their food. Sometimes I just want to walk over there and just take one. But then that would be stealing. And then that would be a sin, right? So I shouldn't sin. But I walk over, and when the wind starts blowing them away, I actually tell them. Because I love my neighbor, amen? I walk over, and I say, hey, man, they're dry. They're done. They're blowing all over the neighborhood now. And then she's like, oh, you want some of them? And I'm like, sure, I'll take some, yeah. It's like my reward for telling her that. But here's the deal. Once I start talking to them about Jesus, I tell them Jesus is the only way, the truth, and the life. I have to be honest with them. Jesus is not one of many ways. Jesus is the only way. I've been to India three times. I know many of their stories, their gods, the books that they read. So we start talking about their gods, their books. I'm very polite to them. We're still friends. Let's put it that way. But I'm very honest. You cannot inherit the kingdom of God this way. I tell them the judgment of God. You are responsible for telling people the judgment of God. Whether it's alcoholism, drug addiction, sexual perversion, false religion. Talk about the judgment of God. It is coming and you must warn people amen it says all this is evidence that God's judgment is right and as a result you will be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are suffering so I want to ask a question today is anybody suffering for the kingdom of God I know I am. I would have a much bigger church. Our band is awesome. I'm a great pastor, right? You guys think it's fun to be here. It's comfortable. It's cool. But I suffer having less people because I start off the message just the way I did. And when it's recorded, we put it online just the way it is. So I suffer reproach. People look down on me, even in the seminaries that I go, man, why do you still say that? You shouldn't say, that's mean. You don't love people. You know, especially now about the the LGBT stuff. And then I tell them, I got upwards of 10 people in my church that have been saved from that lifestyle. And then they close their mouth. Because it's like, whoa, whoa, I guess you do know what you're doing. Well, by God's grace, I do. Because guess what? When you tell a sinner, stop sinning, and you show them the power of God, God will do the rest my job is not to change you. God changes you. Just like as a parent, you know, you can't force your children to do the right thing, but you can force them to come to church with you. That's what my parents did. And then when I was on drugs not listening, they put me out at 16. They said, you don't want to go to church anymore, then you don't want to eat the food here anymore. Best thing my parents did was kick me out at 16. Some of y'all got to get your kids off the tea and teach them, amen? Y'all get quiet when I preach like that. You want want Flacco living with you till he's 25 and still praying for him. Best lesson you can give Flacco is to give him a $5 bus card and say goodbye. I'm telling you the truth. Kick somebody out the house and then they'll learn. That's how I learned sleeping in my car, couch surfing. I learned how to live as a sinner and I learned that sinning didn't pay right. Sin, Sin never worked out for me. And I see some sinners living a good life and I feel sorry for them because they don't know what's coming. I'm so glad God let sin be distasteful for me. I'm so glad I woke up in my puke those days that I did. I'm so glad I almost OD'd on crystal meth. I'm so glad I lost all my friends and all that. I'm so glad because I got to see sin for what it was. Don't wait till it's too late, friends. These people don't care about you. This world doesn't care about you. You understand that? They think you think these celebrities care about you because they give what they give. They haven't even give a tithe. You understand that? You know what a tithe is for LeBron James is ten million dollars, twenty million dollars. These jokers are giving you what's worth to them. My wife and I figured it out. These people who are worth hundred million dollars or more, they're giving you the equivalent of what they would leave as you would leave as change as a gas station. That's what a few thousand dollars, that's what a hundred thousand dollars is to somebody with a hundred million dollars. It's like literally the equivalence of 50 cents. These people aren't your heroes, man. Follow Jesus. Follow the truth of Jesus Christ. I'm not angry at them. They can be Christian if they want to be and be a tither and be a giver just like everybody else. But don't let them make you think that they're balling because of the little worldly wealth they have now. I would rather love Jesus and it be wrong than to be right with you and go to hell. Another way the old timers used to say it is, I'll go to heaven by myself, then I'll go with you to hell. I'm not letting anybody take this away from me. And so the Bible's going to talk about cowards and the Bible's going to talk about those who don't have faith. Listen to me cowards go to the same place of the unbeliever. You will not get into heaven just because you were a weak person and God feels sorry for you. In these times, when it says they were being persecuted, they were being brought before Roman gladiators. They were dying in the arenas. They were being eaten by wild animals. And they were counted worthy of that name. See, the word Christian gets thrown around all the, all the time now. Everybody, like my man Jose was saying, says they're a Christian, but they don't live like Christ. I was reading about the church fathers this week, and that's the first Christians. You know, after the disciples, they're called the church fathers, like America founding fathers. Do you know that they would persecute them so much that they would lock them up in these jails starve them bring their whole family there just because they were christians roman empire around 100 ad 200 ad 300 ad and you know what they would do they would lead them all out in a procession to be just devoured by wild animals as i was saying before and sometimes it records that when they would take the women they would strip them naked and when the animals were eating the women that the crowd would cheer more for whatever reason that just made them more happy They would literally destroy the whole family. They would kill them all. And sometimes, you know what these Christians would do? Because they would be locked up for three weeks as these emperors are having these sadistic festivals. They would see the criminals come out. They would see uh, the the captives of war come out because they just love torturing people. You know what they would do many times? They would plan how they would come out. And they would say, you know what? Nobody scream for your life. Nobody asks for mercy now. When you come out, sing a hymn to God. And it says at different times that when they were dying, that the executioners would come and die with them. Just like the Roman soldier got saved at the foot of the cross after Jesus died. He said, this must have been the Son of God. He was forgiving his enemies. There was, no, there, there was nobody I've ever crucified like this man. They say sometimes they would see them singing and say, all the people we've killed, we've never seen them die like this. If this is what it means to die like a Christian, then count me one now. There's historical records of that historical records. And so you better be counted worthy of the kingdom of God. I'm not saying you earn your way into the kingdom of God. We're saved by grace, but count yourself worthy. Do not let people take away the, the courage that you have. I'm thinking about ISIS when they took all of those Christian, I believe they were Egyptian men, and they put them on their knees next to that sea or ocean, wherever they were at, and they blindfolded them, and they take that dull sword, and they start beheading them. You're hearing the friend next to you gargle on his own blood. What are you going to do? You see, these Christians at that time had to have the martyr's song. The martyr's song is the song that they would sing when they knew their time was up. We've heard now from reports, I don't know if it was because we arrested some or captured some, but they were telling us that some of these men were saying the Lord's prayer as they were hearing their friends die next to them. Paul himself was beheaded. Why is this in the category of God's judgment? Because the world is wicked people. And if they could do that to us right now, they would. That's why in Pakistan they hate us. That's why in China they burn down our churches. Just Google it right now. Them burning down churches in China, destroying churches in Pakistan. Wherever the government gets the power over the Christian people, they start to oppress them and take them out. It says God is just though. Watch. He will pay back with trouble those who trouble you. So we're supposed to trust God in our troubles and give relief to you who are troubled as well. So everybody get this. You may suffer persecution. You may have to give up your job for Jesus at some time. You may have to lose a few friends, but God says he will comfort you in your troubles. How many believe that? Now look at the ultimate comfort and tell me if you get scared or you get happy, because I get happy. It says this will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with blazing fire and his powerful angels. Now, y'all scared of that day, or are you excited about that day? Because I'm ready for that day, because we're all going to find out who was really in charge. Not politicians, not pastors, not religious figures. Nobody was in charge, really, but Jesus. And he allowed this time to be what it was so all of us could make our choice. And sadly, most people make the wrong choices, and when they do, they persecute the ones making the right choices. And God is saying, man, I got your back. I'm coming with my boys. I'm coming down. And there will not be like how you see Avengers, like some epic fight. It will be over before it even starts. Look at what it says in verse 8. He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, once again, I paid a lot of money to go to cemetery, I mean seminary, but you tell me how I'm supposed to translate that right now. How am I supposed to translate that and interpret that to you? He, talking about Jesus, the one coming in fire with his angels, will punish. Hmm, what does punish mean? Y'all know what punish means? Okay, we got that. Those who do not know God. Okay, well, that could be any God. No, he clarifies, and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. How else am I supposed to take that? That's why this church grows more than it has people leave and get offended. Every time I do crazy Facebook videos, people stop following me, and 10 more start following me. Every time I preach like this, some people leave, more people come. Why? Because there's a hunger in this generation for the truth. You know I love you. I've shown it in every possible way as a pastor. Holding the mic doesn't change that. But I have to read scriptures like this to you in a generation where everybody thinks they're right. Because they all got feelings. And you know the thing about feelings, they just want to be felt. Man, I just feel like, really, man? I just feel like when I do the cricket chicken and I'm a vegan, it works for me. Oh, you know, alhamdulillah, Allah Akbar. I feel when I pray to Allah, it works for me. Oh, the Holy Mother of the Guadalupe, the Virgin. Oh, I pray. I feel when I, come on. I feel when I do sin, you know, when I, when I go to the club and I back it up and I feel so good. He will punish those who do not know God and those who don't obey the gospel. So you just can't get away with saying, oh, I know him, I know him, I know him. He says on, many, on that day many will say I know him. And he'll say depart from me for I never knew you because God knows those who obey him and follow his word. Now keep watching uh, as I read this. They will be punished with everlasting destruction. Notice that. It's everlasting. How long do we get life for? Everlasting life. How long do they get destruction for? Everlasting. What happens? They are shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the majesty of his power on the day he comes to be glorified in his saints and to be marveled at all those who believe. So on the day they're going, oh no, oh no, I'm getting kicked out. We're like, oh yeah, baby. Heaven coming to earth been waiting for this oh oh yeah man like we're excited they're running Oprah running she's ducking all these people they're ducking little Wayne's ducking Dre Gucci gang they're all ducking they're all and I'm like come on Jesus it's just like when you watch a world series or a championship there's always somebody cheering because their team is winning the other ones are crying because their team is losing are you on the winning side or are you a loser come on don't be a loser be a winner Everybody can win. All you got to do is trust God. The Bible tells us, walk worthy of your calling. That's why we used to sing songs. Make our weak hearts strong and brave. Send the fire. Even if you feel afraid, ask God to make your weak heart strong and brave. I remember one time I was preaching on Bourbon Street at a Mardi Gras. Been to 12 of them. And I was preaching there. And one of these guys was about my size, and he heard us preaching, and he was drunk, but he wasn't drunk enough that he couldn't knock me out. I could definitely tell the dude could knock me out if he wanted to. He wasn't like, I'm no drunk. He was drunk, but he was all up in my face screaming, and he said, my grandparents died in the Holocaust as Jews. I just heard you say Jesus is the only way. Where did they go? See, I had to pray and ask God to give me courage. I could say, well, only God knows. You know, if they were good people, maybe they got in. I said, the Bible says, unless a person is born again, they shall not inherit the kingdom of God. He said, well, they suffered. You tell me that Hitler got to do all that to them, and then now they're in hell, and that's when he bowed up. And I'm thinking to myself, A, I don't know if I'm saved enough to just let the dude hit me, because we're about (laughs) ready to get in a fight. I'm like, I'm saved, but I don't know if I'm that saved. Like, I could probably get into a good fight with you right now. And then the other part I was literally thinking to myself is, man, what's it going to feel like to get hit in the face again? Because I haven't gotten hit in the face in years. So I'm thinking, am I going to fight this guy or am I just going to take it and it's going to hurt? Because I can just tell it's going to hurt. You know what I'm saying? Come on, Tony, just stand up. Let's get up for Tony as he comes. Come on. He was like Tony's size. Just stand right here, Tony. And so he's going to be the example of the mean Jewish guy right here. Even though most Jewish people are not this big. He probably was like this big, but I was making it up. I don't know. But, so I'm literally thinking to myself, facing off against a guy like this, am I going to take one to the face right now? Because my friends have gotten punched many times on the streets, okay? Or uh, him and I are just going to start fighting. Like, it's just, this is going to be crazy. I'm a Christian now. So I look back at him, and I said, listen to me. I am not telling you anything. God says this is the truth. And wherever they are, that's already done. Now it's up to you to accept this Jesus. Come on, let's give it up for Tony. (laughs) Thankfully, no blows were were thrown, and I made it out. But I'm telling you, after that moment, a guy that was watching it, because he was a part of our street witnessing team, he comes up then, after it's over. He's like, hey, man, I was watching that. And, like, the first thing I was thinking to myself is, dude, why were you just watching that? Why didn't you, like, walk up in it and be like, yeah, I got my boys back. You know, we we all going to say it together, you know. He didn't care about me until it was over. So he, he, like, walks over like, hey, dude, that took a lot of courage. But here's the deal. I trust God more than I trust myself because I don't know what I can do. They say these two girls were arrested in Iran for handing out Bibles, and they were threatening them to, to rape them and do all these hideous things like ISIS has done. They were in Iran. They were afraid that was going to happen to them. They were so scared. They were shake like a leaf, they said, while they were in jail. And they were being questioned because they wanted to. the Iranian authorities wanted to know, where did you get your Bibles from? How are you giving these out? And they would not tell them. They said, we're going to rape you. We're going to kill you. By God's grace, he kept them safe and got to get out. But one of our other missionaries, a woman that's priesthood, she was actually raped in India for the same thing so for God's grace whatever they were spared but this is what they said they said we know we're scared and in their times talking to each other we know we can't do this but we know God can we'll just trust him moment by moment so the Bible says trust in God they will be punished now look at what it says but we'll be glorified why because we were faithful can I hear an amen When you look up at the board, this is what the whole human history looks like according to the Bible. We were created. We chose to sin and fall. Then God judged the world during Noah's time. The Tower of Babel separated us into our different nations. That's why there's different cultures. There's one race, the human race, but multiple cultures and languages. Jesus came to die on the cross for our sins. And because of that, now the consummation is coming. So everything that was broken there is going to be fixed here. When you want to look at a sign of the times or you want to understand how the Bible lays out, things. I got these on the notes. They're on the app. I don't have time to go through it all. I've preached a whole sermon series on these things. But the bottom line is, Jerusalem becoming a nation in 1948 started off a lot of end times things for us. At this time, we started seeing the rise of Antichrist figures, not the main Antichrist, but kind of people like that false Christ. There's more people now claiming to be Jesus than ever before. We started to see an increase of earthquakes, diseases, even though we have the cures for a lot of these diseases because of dictators. We can't get to their people. They're dying and famines and all of these things, earthquakes, pestilences, we've been starting to see it. And so the only thing that we're waiting for, literally, this happened and it had not happened until the destruction of 70 AD so there was about a, a thousand years of time period that nothing could go forward until this happened until the jewish people got their land and now that they got their land we are literally only waiting for one thing to pop off that's for us to go to heaven then for the antichrist to do all of his stuff and then for god's wrath to come and us to come back from heaven with him this going up to heaven we believe is the rapture god spares us from all the tribulation that happens here and then God creates a new heaven and a new earth. So that's the timeline of how we look at the world. If you don't agree with us, that's okay. Just put your timeline on the board and we'll take a look at it, okay? It's better than, I don't know. I mean, here's an idea. Here's an idea, okay? I don't know exactly if it's perfect, but here's an idea. My main concern for us as a church is, as I was saying before, is that we don't understand the book of Revelation. So like I said, I'm not going to talk much more than what I've already talked. Now I'm going to read two and a half chapters of the book of Revelation before we go. Is that cool? Because I really just want you guys to hear it. I really do. If you want to hear more explanation on it, just go to this link right here, and you'll see me do like five videos on the end times. But because of the sake of time today, I actually just want to read the Bible so you can hear it, and then you tell me what it means, okay? Let's start in chapter 19, verse 11. I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he rages war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one himself, no one knows but himself. Verse 13. He is dressed in a robe in blood, dipped in blood, and his name is what? Okay, who is the Word of God? Okay, how do we know that real quick? You just go to John chapter 1, verse 1. It says, in the beginning was what? The Word, and the Word was with God. The Word was God. And it tells us that the Word became flesh in John 1, 14. So have I lost anybody yet? Okay, so everybody, you know, we're in the book of Revelation. It can get scary sometimes, but have I lost you? It says the word became flesh. Here it says this word is coming back. His robe is dipped in blood. He hasn't killed anybody yet, so where'd that blood come from? Himself. So listen, you're going to pay forward in blood all your sins, either the blood of Jesus that comes by grace or your own blood when he tramples on you in a few moments. That's how serious it is. I got no know what else to tell you, okay? So let's keep going. The... Um, What are those dancing characters that kind of look like Elmo and they dance? Fluffies, what are they called? No, not gummy bears. What are they called? Not the Muppets. What? Teletubbies. Teletubbies. Okay, thank you. That's what I want. Now watch. His robe is dipped in blood and the Teletubbies were following him. Is that what it says? So Jesus is coming back like Barney with the Teletubbies. No, it says the armies of heaven were following him. Now, who are those armies? That's all of us who die before this day. So if anybody you know is a Christian, they've died, they're, they're there waiting to come back. Okay? The rapture will happen to get a lot of us out, but some Christians who aren't saved then will get saved later. They're going to see this. But let me tell you what. You don't want to see this happen unless you're in that army. The bottom line is be saved now so you're in the army so that you don't watch hell come, uh, God's judgment, and bring hellfire literally on the earth. Watch what happens. The armies of heaven were following with him, riding on white horses, so we all get a horse, and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. So we're not naked babies with angels, we're warriors riding horses. Come on, somebody. Coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword, not a tickle stick, not a little tickle stick. Uh, What's coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword, which he will use to strike down the nations. Plural, he's going to destroy them at this point. He will then rule them with an iron scepter. So the iron scepter, I mean, if we don't understand that, if you've watched Game of Thrones or something like that, I always recommend people to watch a clean version. If you don't know about VidAngel, you can watch movies that are edited and shows that are edited. But listen, iron scepter, think of a king that don't take any junk from you. Okay, The iron scepter basically slaps you down and says, you can't do that here. Now watch this next part. This is where it gets gruesome. I want everybody to get this. Okay, He treads the wine press of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. Anybody ever seen a wine press? It's a big barrel with grapes in it, and you stomp on it like this. That is the image these people are supposed to have in their mind, okay? So let's just go through it. In this scripture, who is the one doing the stomping now? Jesus. Who is he stomping? Sinners, didn't, I mean, I know, I know it may take a little bit of understanding. It doesn't quite say sinner. Though. You'll see it clearly in a little bit. But you all just, you interpret it right with me, right? He treads the wine press, squashing them. The Bible says in another place in Revelation that the blood will be as high as a horse's head for 100 miles. 300 million people are about ready to die in this battle. He's going to squash them. That's, that's what's going to happen. You'll get more understanding here in a minute. On his robe and on his thigh, he has the name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. What is he? King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Now, some people go, I don't like this Jesus. At this point, he don't care what you like. Okay, so you're like, ah, I don't like him. He don't care. You don't get to choose Buddha over him. Buddha is an idol, a false deity, a man that lived and died like anybody else. My Jesus was died, resurrected on the third day and in heaven and he don't care what religion you like right now. He's not competing for your vote. This isn't an American Idol religious contest. Like Buddha's over here and he's like, hey, everybody gets in. You know, everybody gets in. And then Jesus comes like, well, only certain people get in. And then he's like, but please vote for me. Jesus is not asking for your vote on American Idol. He's doing this with or without you. Okay, let's keep going. Verse 17. Now tell me if I interpret this right. I saw an angel. Okay, he comes and he stands in the sun. So everybody can see the sun, sees the angel. He cries in a loud voice to all the birds flying in midair. What does he say to the birds? Let's come on and have a Disney show. We're all going to start singing. We're all going to have to, we're going to have a little, you know, a little nice time together. Look at what it says. Come gather together for the great supper of God, so that you may eat the flesh of kings, generals, the mighty, their horses, even the horses, their riders, and the flesh of all people, free and slave, great and small. Okay, let's take a moment here. Let's make sure pastor isn't translating it correctly. How many know what an angel is? Okay, we get supernatural being. How many know what the sun is? We're doing good. How many know what birds are? Okay. Uh, Come gather together for a great supper. How many know what eating is? Okay. How many know what your flesh is? How many know what kings, generals, mighty men, horses, riders are? You all know what that is, right? Okay. Any questions? They're going to get eaten by birds while God is coming down and we're partying. Armageddon literally starts by destroying a lot of sinners, and we're like, amen, Jesus. You may say, Pastor, does that mean we do this now? That's crazy. No, no, no. See, the difference between us and religions like Islam is we don't lay a hand on anybody. Remember the scripture we just read in Thessalonians? The scripture says, you let them persecute you. You let them do this to you because it's evidence that my judgment is right. Because they hate me that much, they're killing you. So you're not here to try to defend my religion, in other words. We can defend each other's private property and fight for the freedom of a nation, those kinds of things, if it's done the right way. But we're not to fight in the name of our religion. The religion, our religion, is a relationship, and we don't force anybody. Amen? We don't force them. Think about that. We don't force anybody in China to become Christians, but they keep burning down our churches. We don't force anybody in Pakistan to do it. But they keep burning the churches in Pakistan. Why do you think they're doing that? Because they hate our God. But what will happen to sinners on that day? They will get trampled. Their flesh will be eaten by birds. Then I saw the beast... And the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to wage war against the rider on the horse and his army. See, at this point, we realize that the pride of man knows no bounds. So you would think like you saw the angel literally talk to the birds. You see the horses and riders coming, but instead of submitting, they aim their weapons at God because this shows the rebellious heart of man. Now, just because we don't understand this kind of battle doesn't mean we can't understand rebellion. I remember one time being at a restaurant with my parents and I was having such a bad time and you know just being miserable that at the end, to show them how much I hated it, they gave me candy. Uh, You know, you get those little mints, those little chocolate mints with the green little mint in the middle, the little little rectangles. They actually gave it to me. I remember this because this is how much I can sin against my own self and my own parents. I am my own worst enemy. I can't believe I did this, but I did. They give it to me, and I remember taking it out of the wrapper, squishing it, and throwing it down right in their face. That kind of rebellion is the rebellion of sinners. They will not say to God, even on this day, we repent, we're sorry. That's why when we look at hell, we're not talking about God kicking people out who don't want to uh, go there in one sense. We're talking to people about people who are literally making a choice going, I would rather go to hell than serve this Jesus. It says, but the beast. Now, you just have to read the book of Revelation to know who the beast is. That's the only thing, like, who's the beast? The beast is the Antichrist. That's the only interpretation I have to really help you with. And then it says, the false prophet who had performed signs on its behalf, with these signs he deluded those who received the mark of the beast and w- worshipped its image. So the Antichrist becomes a worldwide figure. He's basically like somebody everybody likes. He has a lot of power and authority, and he makes you take a mark. It could be you know a digital mark. It could be anything like that. 666 is what it means. In the, in the Greek, we don't know what it means to us. Let's not get into that. The point is, he just picks them up. Look at what he does. The two of them were thrown alive into where? Where were they thrown into? Okay. Now, once again, I'm taking my time because I want everybody to understand this. Let's just say you didn't understand who the beast was, and you really didn't understand the false prophet, and you really didn't understand the signs they were doing or the mark. Like, let's just say you're a little lost in the Scripture right here. How many know what happens right here, though? (laughs) The two of them doing this stuff were thrown alive. Where? Where? into the fiery lake of burning sulfur. I mean, go back and study those few verses if you want to know more about the Antichrist, the beast, and the prophet, and all of those things. But just know this. These boys, they just go right to the lake of fire. Boom, they're done. Notice they go there alive. Some people think that after you die, you stay dead. No, after you die, you just go from one place to another. You're still alive spiritually. The rest were killed with the sword that came out of the mouth of the writer and, and the rider on the horse, all the birds gorge uh, themselves on their flesh. So that happens. Now let's keep going. Somebody say, make it plain. Then I saw an angel come down from heaven. Here's another angel. He has a key to the abyss. He has a great chain. He, dra- he sees the dragon, the serpent, who is who? The devil, so we know very clearly who he grabs right here. He grabs the serpent, the devil. Remember back from Genesis who the serpent is, the devil. That's how we know the serpent is the devil because it doesn't say in Genesis who the serpent is. We read the rest of the Bible, it does. It says he seizes the dragon and he does what with him? He bounds him, binds him for a thousand years and throws him where? Into the abyss. Now here's just a real simple thing. There's a difference between the abyss and the lake of fire. The lake of fire is where all sinners go. The abyss is hell. It's a temporary place. That's just all it is. Once again, if you're not really sure about what the abyss is, just just ask yourself this. Do I want to go where the devil goes? Just a real simple question. Do I want to go where he's going? Do I want to be bound up with him? No? Okay, let's keep going. He'll be there for a 1,000 years until he gets let out, and then he'll have a short time after that. Now watch what happens here. I saw thrones on which were seated those who had been given authority to judge. You see, when the Bible talks about us having authority to judge, we have it now. I'm saying the judgment of God, but I don't get to change you, right? So let's say you don't want to do what I ask you to do. Okay, go and do your own thing. On this day, the Christians are now in charge. You must listen to our judgment. And the Bible then says we rule and reign with Christ for a thousand years. Now watch it. I saw the souls who had been beheaded. See, they weren't cowards. They gave their life to Jesus. They kept it because they of their testimony for Jesus. Because of the word of God, they did not worship the beast, its image, receive its mark on their foreheads or hands. They came to life and reigned with Christ a thousand years. How many years? thousand years. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were ended. This is is the first resurrection now read verse 6 blessed and holy are those who share in the first resurrection here it is don't lose use your attention I'm almost done so when Jesus comes back battle of Armageddon all Christians now are resurrected like Jesus some of us were already in heaven others were alive now we're all like Jesus with a resurrected body a real body time is real During a 24-hour day, there's sun and night. There's 24 hours. That time, the devil's in abyss. We can see him there probably because it's open now, as you can read in another spot. And we can see all those in hell. Two are in the lake of fire, which I believe is another dimension. That's just another story. They're in the lake of fire. People are in hell. And guess what we do? We rule and reign. Who are we ruling and reigning over? The rest of humanity that was spared from the day of Armageddon. So let's say right now Armageddon happens, about 300 million die from the battle, another third will die from a whole bunch of other the curses, and then there will probably be out of that third left some that die from other of these smaller curses. So whatever, it's like a third minus some. So a third of the population, so take, let's just take an even 6 billion. A third of 6 billion is what? 2 billion minus 300 million from the Battle of Armageddon minus a few other plagues and things that come on the land. There will probably be a billion people left. What will Christians now do? Rule and reign. The Bible says even the youngest among them will live to 100 uh, years old they'll be considered still a baby at 100 years. We'll solve the problems, the diseases will be solved. Now some people ask, man, why doesn't God just bring heaven to earth forever? Why are we still messing around with people? Because God wants to show that his way works. You see, what we had lost in the Garden of Eden, in the system of the world, God wants to bring back. See, in the system of the world right there, we were meant to live in the earth as normal people. Now that we had to die and be resurrected, now we're like superhuman in some sense. But we were meant to live here. So God is going to make us basically like they're Avengers. We're going to protect them from crimes. We're going to be their judges. The Supreme Court will be in Jerusalem, the 12 apostles minus Judas, possibly Paul. The Bible says New Jerusalem will be there. Right outside will be that place, the abyss, where we get to see it. Now, at this point, if you're saying it's make-believe, I just want to ask you, where do you think you came from? Because the same God who created you is the one that's going to come back and set this thing on order, okay? So the angel... Says to the, the devil, I'm tying you up, throwing you into the abyss. God puts his people in charge. They literally go up to the governors that are still alive and say, uh, Governor Pritzer, give me the keys. We're in charge now. Uh, we're the roses in charge. And we, see, we sit on thrones and we judge the nations, okay? And the Bible says that those who are resurrected, they are blessed and holy. The second death has no power over them, they will be priests of God and kings and reign with him for a thousand years. The reason why I say, kings is because that's what you're doing on the throne. You're reigning. It's like a king. Now, let me ask you a question. How many times do you want to die? Once or twice? How many times do you want to live? Once or twice? Twice. Now, watch this. Everybody lives once, everybody dies once. It's up to you whether you live again twice, get born again, be a part of this resurrection, or you die twice. The death you die now are in God's judgment, and then when you get resurrected, you will go straight to the lake of fire for eternity. That's what it says. The second death has no power over them. They'll reign for a thousand years. Satan will be loose from his prison, go out to deceive the nations from the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, and to gather them for a battle. So look at this. He will battle one more time. So three times, Total, he was in a battle. First time in heaven, took a third of the angels. Think about how good you have to be at deception if you deceive angels to leave heaven with you. Then he deceives people to do the battle of Armageddon. That was stupid. He does it again. Why does he do it again? Here's my best opinion. It doesn't say it here, so I'm just saying opinion now. I believe he gets another chance because the people raised in the thousand-year millennium never had a temptation. Never had a temptation. He was bound people are ruling. There you go. What's really the problem? So God, just to be fair to all of humanity, because all of us have been tested, right? Since Adam and Eve, everybody's been tested. Even angels were tested. He goes, you know what? Just like he did with Job, he goes, you can test them again if you want. And somehow they rally up to fight against God. Now this is where you have to use your imagination because I don't know exactly, but I see this somewhat like the Hunger Games. Do you know how they all fight against the society that's trying to rule them and all of that? Imagine living in this world and And think about this. Normal is only normal because it's normal. Abnormal is only abnormal because it's abnormal. Okay? Really deep. But now watch this. If you grew up in a world where people were like Thor, you would think people like Thor are normal. You grew up in a world without people like Thor. So they're not normal. I show you an elephant, you think it's normal. But that's a pretty abnormal thing if you think about it. Long trunk, I show you a giraffe, big neck. It's normal to you because it's normal. So now watch. People will be living in a normal world, 1,000 years. That's a long time. You guys get that? So what's normal for them? God's people ruling and reigning. So what's probably going to happen? People are going to get tired of it. They're probably going to go to the abyss and try to start talking to, to Satan. Let's break you out of here. And somehow, God is going to let him get out. I don't think they want to break him out. But it will be a deception, kind of like in Hunger Games, but for the bad. Instead of them thinking they're taking over something like that's really bad, it's actually they're going to try to take over God. Like, you know, God, God, hey. He's put these governors in charge, and, and we can't do this anymore. I heard there was a time on planet Earth where we used to be able to have sex wherever we wanted, like gay pride parades. Well, we used to do this. Let's, let's get this dude out of the abyss. Let's fight again. Let's go. That's my best imagination to a little movie if you guys want to make it. So he comes out. He gets destroyed. Now watch. Verse 10, fire, uh, right before, before verse 10, fire came down from heaven, devoured him. That's over. Boom. No, it's not even like a battle. It's just, you're done. And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire. Now he goes there where the beast and the prophet have been. And how long are they going to be tormented for? Day and night for how long? Forever and ever. So that's why I believe in Genesis. It's one day. It uses the same language, day and night. One day, day and night the next day, day, you know, evening and morning, day. So we believe six literal days the earth was created, and we believe that when people are in hell, they're there as a day. Right now, as we're experiencing 24 hours, if my sister has not been born again and she died drinking and driving, she has been there in hell. She has been up. She has been there today. Every minute feels like a minute, whether you're in heaven, hell, or on the earth. Are you guys listening? Time does not go away. It will not be ethereal. You won't be like in a dream state, like, man, I'm a jelly bean. Oh, I'm over here as a child now. Oh, I can fly. I'm in a dream. No, you will know I am in hell. I don't want to be in hell. It is tormenting me. The Bible gives a story of Jesus. Jesus tells a story of somebody who was in hell that was talking about the torment. He wanted a man to dip his finger in water just to cool his tongue. It's real. It's literal. You'll be there if you don't love Jesus. Amen? Amen. He then said, I saw a great white throne of him who was seated on it. The earth and heavens fled away from his presence, and there was no place for them. Right here is where we got to go transdimensional. Everybody say transdimensional. Where can you be if you're not in the heavens and the earth? You must be in some other dimension. So here's what happens. Normal earth as we know it here. Heaven as we know the atmosphere of heaven. There's three heavens in the Bible. That's why it says he created the heavens and the earth. And you'll see heavens be mentioned here in a little bit. But watch. Atmosphere is a heaven. The stars are a heaven. And then God's throne is a heaven. That disappears. So God's throne even disappears. God's throne was made on day one with everything else. Then earth disappears. What are you standing on now? It disappears. Now we are in a place We'll have a day. We'll still have time going by just like a second, but you will not be in this environment. And now the Bible says you're going to watch the entire world get judged. It will feel like time passing by does right now because I know some of you are already bored. But uh, hopefully you'll understand that this is important. How many understand this is important? Okay. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. So now all we are in, if you just want to use like the matrix idea when they were in between those little places they would go, it's just all white and there's like a little little thing they can create to get their weapons or whatever. You're just in a place that is nothing but a throne. That's all the Bible says you're in. There's no more earth. It's gone. <laughs> he just makes it disappear. <laughs> this is now the throne. Everybody's there. So it's people, the throne, God. It doesn't even say there's angels there. The dead were judged according to what they had done recorded in the books. Some may say books. Books. So the books are for those who do not have Christ. The sea gave up the dead that were in it. The death and hell gave up the dead that were in them. So notice, everybody comes out of hell now. Not the lake of fire. Lake of fire is the last place to go. But those who have been in hell, now they come. And each person was judged according to what they have done. So I'm going to watch your judgment. You're going to watch mine. Now watch this. The Bible says, then death and hell. So what causes us to die now and what hell is, is literally thrown into the lake of fire. So think of death and hell being like the county jail. You die, you go to hell without Christ, and you go to upstate to to, the penitentiary. That's what it's like. What heaven was like was like the resort while they were remodeling your home so you could come back on one of those home shows. And now it's like, oh, it's so awesome, right? So we're in heaven only for a little while. Now, we've come down. They've come up. Now hell goes out. Uh, hell goes into the lake of fire, and what happens to us? It will tell us in just a minute. The lake of fire is the what death? Second death, right? Anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. You see how simple that is? There are books where they will go through every one of your deeds if you don't know Jesus and convict you of sin. And I've done this with people before, and I know it's getting late, but I'll just do it right now. Let's say from the age of 8, you know what sin is? You live to 80 years old. 80 minus 8 is how many years? 72 years. On average, uh, there's 365 days a year, correct? That's 2,000. That's 26,280 days. On average, how much do you think people sin a day? just on average, two to three, five, let's just say five real quick. That's how many sins you will have against you on that day, 131,400. But there's one book you can have all your sins forgiven and all you just need is your name written down. So do you want the books to be open and 131,000 of your sins come up, or do you want one book to be open to see your name written down? And then now what happens? Look at chapter 21, verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer a sea. So now the new environment we live in is like the old earth and like the old heaven, but it's not quite the same. On this new earth, there's no more water. In that sense, like a sea. You will see a river, but no sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. So the city is coming down. This is literally where he says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So it coming down, symbolizing that whatever the throne of God was before that we couldn't get to, we can't see now, that we are only there temporarily, now literally comes to earth. So there's no secondary place where God is not. God is now here On the new earth. Are you guys tracking? Amen. So I saw that city come down and I heard a loud voice saying, Look, God's dwelling is now among his people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. Now watch verse 4 he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning, crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. Here's where I just, I, I have to get, get, get you here quick. Could you be upon the new earth, not crying, knowing the people you love are now in the lake of fire? No. So here's what I believe, and I can show you in Psalms uh, chapter 1. I can show you in Isaiah. I can show you in other places. The Bible says the wicked's memory will be remembered no more. When he wipes away your tear, you will not remember your sister if she did not serve Jesus. My, the Bible says even the mother will forget her womb. If my sister is in hell now and then she goes to the lake of fire, when he wipes away the tears, why are we crying? Why is why it is still mourning? Because we've seen all the judgments. We've seen all the pain. We've seen all of this. Now he wipes away tears, and what goes with that is the memory. We don't remember them. But what does the Bible say? They will go to hell where the worm dieth not. The worm dieth not there represents memory. In the ancient times, instead of saying, like, man, I got something stuck in my brain, they would say, like, I have a worm in my brain. I have a memory, I can't get out. They looked at a bad memory like a worm. It sounds silly, but we have silly statements here too. So what Jesus was saying is the worm dieth not, and the fire is never quenched, is you are literally in an unquenchable fire, in pain, minute by minute, you know, second by second. And then you have memory, vivid, conscious memory of everything you've done. So you're there in ultimate regret, loneliness by yourself. You will be there with nobody else, and yet we have just forgotten about you. With that tear going, I'll never think about a sinner again or the sins even I did. Amen? He who was seated on the throne says, I am making everything new. And then John was told to write these things down. Aren't you glad John wrote them down? Okay. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said this to me, it is done. Somebody say it's done. So we're waiting for it to happen, but in God's mind, it's what? It's done. I am the Alpha and the Omega. Those are the first and last letters of the Greek alphabet, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. So the only water that comes is from the throne of God, which I believe is the Holy Spirit, and we'll be able to taste and touch and ingest Him into our spirit in a really cruel cool way, not a weird way. Those who are victorious. Somebody say, Victorious. Come on, thank you. Those who are victorious will inherit all this. So do you get it if you quit on Jesus? No, you don't. Now watch what I said at the beginning. Remember about the cowards. Come on, it's the last verse here, guys. Last two verses. I'm going to start from verse 7. Those who are victorious will inherit all this. I will be their God. They will be my children. But the, come on, say it, cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magical arts, the idolaters, and all liars, they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. How many are ready now for John 3.16? amen let's stand up and give it up for Jesus amen let's have Adam in the band come please with altar workers I'm sorry I ran a little late today if this was your